0: In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance Family Conversation. I'm your host, Father Ed Broome, Oblate of the Virgin Mary. Great to be with you. So let's start off, as
1: is our custom, by inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is the Mother of God. Mary is the Mother of the Church.
0: And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. Also, when we pray the Hail Holy Queen, we cry out to Mary as our our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So let's invite Mary to be with us
1: to pray for us to pray with us and to encourage us so we would be
0: able to live out the gospel today, to truly love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Let's pray that prayer that Mary loves most.
1: And that prayer is the Hail Mary, together. Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with
0: thee. Blessed art thou among women. And bless the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Now let's turn to our spiritual director. And our spiritual director is the Holy Spirit.
1: Like Mary most holy, The Holy Spirit has many different titles,
0: among which would be Holy Spirit is a paraclete. Holy Spirit is known in the catechism of the Catholic Church as the gift of gifts. Holy Spirit is also known as the sweet guest of the soul. We pray in the sequence for Pentecost. Holy Spirit
1: is our consoler. Holy Spirit is also our counselor. The Holy Spirit is also our sanctifier, the means by which we'll grow in holiness. And also
0: the Holy Spirit is our interior master. St. Paul reminds us in these words in Romans chapter 8 that we don't know how to pray as we ought. But the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans, so we can say Abba. Abba, which means Daddy or Father. So Let's turn to the Holy Spirit and beg Him to give us a lot of light in our intellect, the fire of love to burn within our hearts.
1: as we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful
0: and enkindle within us the fire of your divine love.
1: Send forth your spirit and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who did instruct
0: the hearts of your faithful, By the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us that by the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in His consolation through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Well, Lady Guadalupe, pray for us. St. Joseph,
1: pray for us. St. Michael the Archangel, pray for us. St. Gabriel, pray for us. Archangel Raphael, pray for us. St. Ignatius of Loyola, pray for us. St. Francis Xavier, pray for us. St. Maria Faustina Kowalska, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us.
0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. How true it is, the family that prays together stays together. And I'd like to not only pray with you, but pray for you in the greatest of all prayers. And that prayer is the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. So when they offer the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass today, I'd like to offer special intentions for for all of us. I'd like to place all of you on the altar in the holy sacrifice of the Mass. And these will be my specific intentions for all of us. First of all, I'd like to pray that that all of us would be open to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Our sanctification depends in large part upon us being open to the
1: inspirations of the Holy Spirit. The inspirations of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps we can say this short prayer. That is, come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. Come, Holy
0: Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come to the heart of Mary. My next intention will be I'd like to pray for our families. Family is the basic building block of society. It's the domestic church. And as John Paul II says, the way the family goes is the way the society will go. So I could pray for our families, for our conversion, then for our sanctification, and for our salvation. (coughs) Those three specific intentions all referring to our families. For our conversion, sanctification, and salvation. Then I'd like to pray for those who will be dying sometime within the next 24 hours. My friends, the most important thing in our lives is to get to heaven. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, has stated, what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul in the process?
1: What does it profit the man? So I'd like to pray for those who are dying, but especially those who
0: are not well prepared. That through our prayers they would open their hearts to God's infinite mercy and that they would be saved. So, my friends, as I've said in earlier talks, May is the month of May. May is the month of Mary. Whereas, we have to insist that June, and keep trying to promote this, June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. We should be lifting up our banners and posting and preaching and teaching that June is the month of the sacred heart of Jesus. Let's try to squash all the other false ideas about, about the month of June for this reason or for that reason. June is the month of the most sacred heart of Jesus. Amen. I'm trying to give you a brief reflection to encourage us to fall in love with the most sacred heart of Jesus. And you can see in my studio here a beautiful image of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And today I'd like to give you one of the biblical verses that can be used on the most, on the feast day of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And there are various options we can have, there are various options for the feast day of the sacred heart of Jesus. I'll give you one, and perhaps you can even memorize this verse, it's a short one. And it's taken from Matthew chapter 11. This is one of the gospel passages that refer to the most sacred heart of Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. And it says, Jesus said, Come to me, all of you are
1: weary, and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me because I am meek and humble of heart for you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is, burden is light.
0: Matthew 1128 28-30 I'll repeat. Come to me all of you who are weary and find life burdensome
1: and I will give you rest take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart for you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light only
0: once in sacred scripture does Jesus actually describe the characteristics or the attributes of his sacred heart and that is found in Matthew 11:28 to 30 His heart is meek and humble. Earlier this week, I taught you a prayer in honor of the most sacred heart of Jesus. And it's related to that biblical verse. And that prayer is,
1: Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make my heart like unto yours. Beautiful prayer, isn't it? Jesus, meek and humble of heart,
0: make my heart like unto yours. All right, my friends. So today, this would be a brief overview of what we're going to be talking about. And the church gives us a long reading from the book of Tobit. I'll try to summarize it. We've got Psalm 128 with the... Antiphon, blessed are those who fear the Lord. Then we're into the Gospel of St. Mark, chapter 12, verse 28 to 34, where there's a scribe that comes up to Jesus. And asks Jesus, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus responds, now this time the scribe has good will. The last two days we have these scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees that are trying to trap Jesus. But the scribe today comes up to Jesus with good will. And he asks this question, Good Master, what is the greatest of all the commandments? And Jesus says, The greatest of all the commandments is the following. To love God with all your mind, all your heart, all your strength, all your soul. And then to love your neighbor as yourself. And then the scribe repeats this. And he says, this is worth more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices." And Jesus says to this man, approving of his insight, says, you are not far.
1: You're not far from the kingdom of God. And no one No one had the courage to ask
0: Jesus other questions. So there, my friends, we have an overview, an overview of the readings for today. So the first reading taken from the book of Tobit is the following. Now try to summarize it, give you an interpretation and an application. So yesterday we we're speaking about
1: both Tobit and Sarah were afflicted with great sufferings. Tobit had lost his eyesight for several years. And Sarah,
0: From the family of Raguel, which were related, distant relatives of Tobit and his family, Sarah had the grave misfortune of wanting to marry. However, every time she tries to consummate her marriage with her prospect husband, the devil, whose name is Asmodeus, enters into their wedding chamber and ends up by killing her prospect husband. Now this didn't happen once or twice, but rather this happened seven
1: times. One of the maidservants insults Sarah. And she becomes so depressed that she climbs up to one of the chambers with a rope thinking about hanging herself.
0: Then she has the thought, if I do this, I'm the only child. My father will go to his grave and shame. She decides not to kill herself because of her love of her parents. So both Colbert and Sarah offer fervent prayers that penetrate the skies. In their anguish, in their sorrow, in their suffering, they offer these heart-rending prayers, offered with great fervor.
1: And these prayers are heard by God. And God decides to intervene to help them. Tobit to restore his sight.
0: And Sarah to encounter her future spouse. And this is done (coughs) in such a way that it's really charming.
1: God sends... from heaven to earth, an angel. An angel to help to resolve this problem.
0: And the name of this angel, there are actually three archangels that are mentioned in sacred scripture. These three archangels would be St. Michael the Archangel, St. Gabriel and the Archangel Raphael. St. Michael the Archangel, and Michael means who is like unto God, we encounter him in the 12th chapter of Revelation as well as the letter of Jude. The Archangel Gabriel, we encounter him in the book of Daniel as well as the chapter, the first chapter of Luke, which he sent to Zechariah, announcing the birthday of John the Baptist. And then he sent to the Blessed Virgin Mary, announcing that she'll be the mother of
1: God. Gabriel means, who is like unto God? And finally we encounter the Archangel
0: Raphael in the book of Tobit that we're going through this whole week. Raphael means medicine of God or God heals. That's right. Raphael means medicine of God or God heals. So the verse is very long today. I'd like to pull out some salient points and give us an interpretation and application in our lives. God has decided in his divine providence to resolve Sarah's marital problem by uniting her with Tobias, the son of Tobit. That was God's divine providential plan. Now back then they did not have a GPS. They didn't have a Thomas guide. So travel was done (coughs) by foot or on horseback. Not knowing the way to the relative's house, Tobiah meets a traveling companion. And the traveling companion, appearing to be like a man, is actually St. Raphael. So the archangel St. Raphael, he willingly offers to direct Tobias to the house of Raguel and Sarah. So they're traveling together, and as they're traveling together, they're walking along the shore. And they catch a big fish, which they'll be taking to the house of, of Sarah. They arrive, and they greet Sarah and the family. And Tobias asks for the hand of Sarah to be his wife. Now, Raphael says to burn part of the gall of the fish. Now, one of the, one of the reasons for this is, so to speak, an exorcism. By the burning the gall of that fish would to be expelled the evil spirit. The evil spirit, the devil, that we encounter in this passage, his name is Asmodeus. I'd like to give an interpretation, one of the interpretations why.
1: Why was it that that Sarah,
0: having seven prospect husbands, every night that they enter into the wedding chamber, every one of those seven men ends up by being killed and killed by Asmodeus. I would have to say that one interpretation is that perhaps these men we're not pursuing Sarah for her for innate dignity, being created in the image and likeness of God,
1: by the beauty of her character and the nobility of her soul.
0: But they were seeking her out for ignoble purposes. If I can be blunt, is that they were looking at her with with lust. And this is very applicable for us today. Pope St. John Paul II gave more than a hundred talks in his general audience on Wednesday on what is called the Theology of the Body. The Theology of the Body of John Paul II can be summarized in many ways, but one way we can summarize the teaching of St. Pope John Paul II is this. That all of us should try to have great respect for the dignity of the human person. That we are created in the image and likeness of God. God. That through baptism we become sons and daughters of God. That's right, we should respect and honor the great dignity and the destiny of the human person created in the image and likeness of God and the destiny is we all have a destiny to be citizens one day of the kingdom of God. However, there's the the temptation if we do not respect and cherish the person in his dignity, then we can look at a person as an object, as an object to be utilized, an object that can be exploited. And after this this person is an object to be utilized, to be exploited, will be discarded. Pope Francis calls it the throwaway society. The throwaway society. So my point is, Perhaps these men died because they were not pursuing Sarah for a noble purpose but rather because they had concupiscence of the eyes and had a lust for her more than cherishing and loving her as a future wife and mother to their children. So,
1: the Archangel Gabriel enters into the home and they burn the gall of this fish thereby expelling casting out the evil spirit. And then the archangel Raphael goes
0: to pay a debt that had to be paid rather to rather to um,
1: To acquire a certain money that was owed to uh, Tobias and his family. So Tobias.
0: He asks. The parents. For. The hand of Sarah in marriage. And to marry her with a noble purpose.
1: For a noble purpose. Not simply seeing her as an object to be exploited but rather as a person to be loved. So
0: This is very important. And this is a, this is a biblical passage that's, that I use very often when our, I'm presiding over marriages. And Tobias taking Sarah to be his wife He offers a beautiful prayer. It's a beautiful prayer that I would invite married couples to pray at times. And those who are preparing for marriage, this is a, it's a beautiful passage. And this is this is a this this is the prayer of of Tobias. Blessed are you, O God, our fathers. Praise be you. Praise be your name forever and ever. So Tobias starts off by blessing and praising God. You know, my friends, when I do weddings, I'll often summarize one of the key concepts of Venerable Fulton J. Sheen. He wrote more than 60 books. More than 60 books. And one of them is for married couples. And the name of that would be It Takes Three to Get Married. And that would be the man, the woman, the husband and the wife, and the third would be Jesus Christ. Aristotle says there has to be a transcendental other. Wow, pretty lofty language, huh? We say that that third person is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. My friends, if the husband and wife
1: if the husband and wife put God in the center if the husband and wife put God in the center then it's going to function well but if the husband and wife do not have God in the center there are going
0: to be problems Dr. James Dobson who is the founder of Focus on the Family said that a true and authentic marriage should have the three C's. This applies to Protestants but also the Catholics. The first First is the marriage should be Christocentric, in opposition to egocentric. As Adrian Rogers said, it's not meology, it's theology. It should be Christocentric having Christ having Christ in the center. having Christ in the center. So if a husband and wife can be looking at each other through the eyes of Christ, they'll always see the beauty in each other. I'd like to repeat that. If the husband and the wife married in the church, can see each other through the eyes of Christ, then they'll see the innate beauty in each other. But if they do not see each other through the eyes of Christ, they're going to start to see the defects and the limitations And the negative aspects in each other. So I insist. The first C is it has to be Christocentric. And that's the gospel for today. Where Jesus says that the greatest of all commandments. The greatest of all commandments is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul and strength. Then. To love our neighbor as ourself. So married couples should honestly try to put into practice the gospel for today. To really try to love God with all of our heart, our mind, our soul, our strength. First God and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. So the first C is our marriage marriage should be Christocentric
1: and not egocentric. The next the next C, so
0: the first C it should be it should be Christocentric
1: put it for you there. And the next one should actually be,
0: it should be communication. The husband and wife have to maintain communication. First communication with God, then there should be communication among them, among the couple. And how ironic it is that in the courtship, in the courtship, when they're establishing a deeper relationship, they're fiancés even. that they like to spend a lot of time together and usually communicating then once they're married then the communication starts to grow cold almost to the point to be non-existent for that reason it's a good idea to have a a jump start to recharge the spiritual batteries and and to um, and to have perhaps a marriage encounter weekend in which once again the whole concept of growing and communication becomes part and parcel of the married life. So communication. And I say now more than ever that's important <clears throat> because it seems as if almost everyone today is wedded to their telephone spending much more time on their telephone than with their husband or wife and their children. That seems to be the modern idol for so many different people. The plastic screen and the telephone is more important than the human face of the husband or wife or the children. we got to be really vigilant. So I'm talking about the three C's of the married life. There should be Christocentric. There should be communication. And then the last of the three sees, according to Dr. James Dobson, is commitment. We're talking about the marriage between Sarah and Tobias. We're giving you some building blocks on which to establish a solid and strong marriage
1: when someone marries in the church and we should pray and renew our commitment
0: with these words i promise to be faithful I promise to be faithful in good times and in bad, in health and in sickness, in riches and in poverty, until death do we part. That was the solemn promise that every married couple makes in the church. Exchanging of vows. I'd like to tell you a story that I'll sometimes use when I'm doing weddings to emphasize the importance of being faithful to our vows being faithful to our commitments. And it's this. This was an article in the National Catholic Register probably about 20 years ago. And it's a story of a married a family that invites a priest to go to their home for dinner. So the husband goes to the rectory of the priest because the priest didn't have a car at that time. So what is the man is driving from the rectory to his house. He's praising the positive attributes of his wife, saying in these words, You know, Father. I've got the greatest wife in the world. She's kind, she's loving,
1: she's humble, she's charitable,
0: she's willing to sacrifice. really Father, I've got to be very honest with you, I have a great wife. I'm eternally grateful to God
1: for the wife that God has given to me. So the priest was taken aback
0: by these accolades, these praises that this man was giving to his wife.
1: They arrive at their home and the, the husband rings
0: the doorbell and the wife opens up the door. And the priest was taken aback because
1: the wife had a huge scar on the right side of her face. From her temple going all the way down.
0: Huge scar with with big marks on her face. But she was very kind
1: and welcoming and smiling and she invited the priest to sit
0: down to dinner with them. The dinner table was prepared. They sat down, they blessed the meal, and sitting at the table was the wife, the husband, and there was a little girl who was about Six years old,
1: with a charming smile on her face during the course of the meal during the course of the meal,
0: the husband kept praising his wife for all that she, all that she did
1: for who she was, just praise after praise after praise for the wife. And the little girl sat there with a big smile on her face.
0: And the priest was really impressed because of the great love that
1: the husband had for the wife. The meal was over and the priest thoroughly enjoyed the company of this family with the little girl. The priest said goodbye to the wife and the little girl and the husband took the priest back to his rectory. Now, on the way back to the rectory,
0: the priest with great discretion wanted to ask the man the reason why his wife had this huge scar on her face. He says, you know, why is it, how did, how did your wife get that big scar in her face? And the man said this, oh, I'll tell you, Father. About six years ago, our house caught on fire. And my little daughter was just a
1: little infant in the bassinet. And the bassinet, the covers caught on fire. And my wife grabbed
0: our little daughter with a blanket and the fire from
1: the blanket scathed and scorched her face. thereby burning, scathing, and leaving
0: a, a scar on the face. Leaving a scar on the face of my wife. For that reason,
1: Father, I've got the most beautiful wife on planet Earth. I have the most beautiful wife on planet Earth. My friends, I'll use that often when I'm doing weddings. To point out that couples getting married, they have to try To understand what love is, and love is not simply a feeling, it's not simply a sentiment, it's not simply a passing emotion.
0: But love, as Aquinas says, is willing the good of another. And on one occasion I asked my mother, what is love? And she said one word. And she said, sacrifice. In the diary of St. Faustina Kowalska, there's another definition of true love. And it's this. True love can be measured as such. True love is a willingness to suffer for the loved one. What greater example, when I'm doing weddings after this story, I'll actually point to the cross. No greater love in the world than to lay down one's life for the loved one. So love is a willingness to suffer for the loved one. So my friends, we're reading through the charming book of Tobit. I've extrapolated upon this giving a, a teaching of Dr. James Dobson who founded Focus on the Family, a Christian group with many beautiful noble ideas that we can apply to our faith as Catholics. So, purposely giving you what are called the three C's
1: of the married life. Those three C's would be every successful marriage the first C is it should be
0: Christocentric. Christ is in the center of the marriage.
1: Otherwise, it's going to be an egocentric marriage. The second would be communication. The couple working on communicating with each other. And the third would be commitment.
0: There's a promise to be faithful in good times as well as bad. In health as well as in sickness. Riches as well as poverty. Until death do they part. So let's pray for our world. Pray for our country. Pray for the family. And remember, the family that prays together stays together. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and
1: the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.